Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here. Fun show so far. You look like you have a quizzical look, Brooks. This that sound. I've I've been trying to figure out what this music sounds like, and it sounds like we are. And it makes sense because we do a sports talk show, but it sounds like it's a late night talk show, and we're in the middle of a segment, and they're coming back, and it's like the band's just you know playing some jazzy tune to come yeah. back to. Well, I mean, is that what it sounds like to you, Tom? You- this just sounds like a late seventies, early eighties action TV show with the background music going. Maybe. The little with the bass guitar, little slap bass going. Well, the uh, good thing is we can actually get someone else's opinion on that as we go to our Auburn Bank phone line and we welcome in Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer to this Tuesday edition of the show. Justin, I don't know if you just caught our uh, our lead-in music there. I, I don't know. Does that sound like anything in particular to you if you did hear that? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Tom. It definitely gives me like 70s, early 80s like TV show or TV movie vibes. Definitely, like transition between scenes kind of, kind of music. There yep. you go. Well, we are transitioning between commercial and, and content, so uh, that, I guess it achieves its purpose there. But, Justin, hope you're doing well. This time, not as much, not fresh off of the, the vast travel that you've had the last couple of weeks, uh, but this Auburn basketball team traveled to Nashville again on Saturday uh, and uh, another disappointing trip to the state of Tennessee for different reasons. Uh, what did you observe from that game and, and just everything that went wrong there? Yeah, I mean, I think Auburn played well with their front court, and they did enough to give them a chance to win. They just this team has just had a hard time late in games getting the stops that they need. Uh, it was a problem against A and M. It was a problem against Alabama. And obviously, it was a problem against Vanderbilt with that late late uh, made field goal uh, to win it for for Vanderbilt. Here's the thing about Auburn: like you're 27 games into the season, you know this team's got their limitations on offense. And I even thought like against A and M and against in particular, this Vanderbilt game, they made some shots and they made some plays down the stretch on offense. You know, fine for what they are as a team on offense. But the same defense that you see play for the first 35 minutes of the game, for some reason, it's just not quite carrying over as much into the final five. And that's that's really hurt them. And and so in this game, it's just not getting stops late. um, Really hurt Auburn. Um, But, you know, it's a tough loss on the road against a team that's playing some good basketball right now so it's not a killer i mean they only dropped three spots in the net um you know they're still top 30 in the net top 20 in ken palm and, and sagarin and things like that which that's an ncaa tournament team um but i do think you know these last two weeks of the season if you take care of business against old miss tomorrow night at home you have these next three games coming up where you just need to take at least one of them to feel very confident about where you're going to be standing heading into into tournament time and as Bruce Pearl said today, they've been playing well. They just haven't played well enough to get over the hump. And uh, they got to find whatever that next step's going to be uh, in order to beat a team like a Kentucky or a Tennessee or an Alabama. A little bit of a sidebar here, Ferg. Do you like the the net ranking as opposed to what the committee used to use with like RPI and that sort of stuff? Do you feel that that paints a better picture of a team's resume? It does, I think. Yeah. RPI had way too many factors, and it just was pretty flawed in the way it does some things. Net is basically comes down to who'd you beat and where'd you beat them, or who'd you lose to and where'd you lose to them to, and 
efficiency stuff like Ken Palm, um, like, you know, Sagarin, like a lot of these predictive metrics that say, okay, how good are you efficiency-wise on offense and defense, depending on who you played against? So analytically, it's easier for me to understand because I can be like, you know what, I can pull up Ken Palm rankings and I can see, you know what, an Auburn team that's lost six out of the last eight, but all six losses they've had have been come against really good teams. Most of them are on the road. Um, you know, most of them have been close games. You can look at that and say, okay, that makes sense. You know, if you just go purely results-based and you don't fit in the opponents and the efficiency as well as Net does, uh, I do think you can get kind of wonky. So I, I, I do like Net. It is a lot easier for me to understand, um, which is, you know, made made my job a lot easier. Uh, when we look at some of these uh, past couple of losses that have happened, uh, one of the big things that jumps out is that free throw disparity and. Uh, we saw it against Vanderbilt. I mean, you had one guy shot more free throws than Auburn did as a team, and we saw that disparity uh, in a couple of others game in the other games. Do you have any reason why that disparity is there? Uh, I mean, is Auburn just a team that fouls a lot, or the officials just being very nitpicky with them? I, it just seems weird that there is such a lopsided disparity at the free throw line in some of these games. Auburn is a team that fouls a lot. I think they play a really physical brand of defense that will get you know, tight whistles on it from, from a good bit of, of the officials. However, the thing about the disparity to me is just Auburn should be going to the line a lot more than they are. Um, you shouldn't have a game where you only take, you know, 10 free throws when you score as many points in the paint as Auburn did when you have, um, you know, the Vanderbilt game where Jalen Williams hits seven or eight shots from the paint and yet never goes to the free throw line and Janai Broom barely goes to the line and right. you have guys driving to the basket and don't go in. That's the thing to me. It's like defensively, you know, Auburn – Auburn's been fouling a lot this year. From this is from the very beginning when they were playing non-conference. I thought this team had a really, really tough job of fouling too many times. But I think the thing is, is that I think their offense isn't getting rewarded enough, and it's really hurting them in these games, especially away from home. When I do think the officials can cater to the crowd a little bit more and get caught up in that kind of emotion, um, because Auburn, I think it's something, it's something that I dug up the other day. It's like Auburn's lost four games in a row by five points or less away from home and you know this this little stretch they've got here are the ones that they have off and in those games um i think auburn has shot 49 fewer free throws than the other team has so i mean like that you know yes. you're gonna foul you're gonna you're gonna be like but the disparity is a two-way street right you it's the offense not getting rewarded as much as it's the defense getting punched looking forward to this next week of action justin obviously it starts with Ole miss on wednesday the, the narrative about Ole Miss, as long as Kermit Davis will be there, or and which might not be much longer, by the way, but it has just always been that Kermit Davis has had uh, some things figured out about Bruce Pearl, at least, at least the first couple of years that Kermit was there at Ole Miss. Auburn was able to uh, have a, a pretty decisive victory in Oxford after a slow first half. Uh, what does Auburn need to guard against, as, as this is clearly a game Auburn is expected to win and, and win pretty big? And they have to. They have to. Bruce Pearl said it today. It's like, if we lose this game, it could do some irreparable damage to our resume. And so they've got to win it. Um, yeah, I mean, Auburn played really well on offense the first time they played. Um, I thought defensively, you know, could have been better, which I think they need to kind of tighten up on. Ole Miss is not a very good offense. They don't shoot the ball well. They turn the ball over a good bit. Um, they've just been struggling. Defensively, though, that, that team under Kermit Davis has continued to really be a pressing, trapping kind of defense that will, you know, give you some trouble um, if you don't take care of the ball. Good news is that Auburn has taken care of the ball pretty well over the last, you know, probably seven or eight games. I think they're 
their turnover rate rate has gone down, um, which is a really, really good sign for them. So for Auburn, I think, you know, you, you continue to just play your kind of game. It's, this is not the Missouri game where there's like a clear and obvious like mismatch that you can take advantage of. Although I do think Ole Miss has some disadvantages. It's just not as good of a team that you're playing. So Auburn's got to stay the course, be back at home, um, you know, get some confidence back and, and try to you know, pick yourself off the mat, get, get a good win and, and keep going. If they do what they did against Ole Miss, um, you know, earlier this season, carried into a home game, they should be able to get another comfortable win and, and start turning the page to the Kentucky game. And then, Justin, going off of what you just said there, turning the page to the Kentucky game, we, we talked about once a week, so I want to get your early thoughts on that Kentucky game coming up on uh, Saturday. A, a Kentucky team that struggled to start the year seemed like they found themselves right after the start of conference play a little bit and then have kind of taken another dip down. What, what are your thoughts uh, as the Tigers head to Lexington on Saturday? I mean, you know, Kentucky's going to be a team that's really going to challenge you, um, especially in the paint. Oscar Chibway is a rebound machine, and we know that if Auburn does not rebound well, they usually don't win. Rebounding has been very key to their to their wins and losses this year. So, I mean, obviously with Chibway, you've got to got to really do do a good job. Uh, additionally, I think you know Kentucky's had some really good offensive numbers at times this year when their guards are hitting, when their wings are playing well. Um, they are a tough team to beat on offense. Not as strong of a defense as we're used to seeing from Kentucky. But away from home, it's going to be another thing, you know. Can you can you do a good job of trying to generate good quality looks, and then on defense, rebound and 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 really do your best without fouling and getting caught up in that Rupp Arena environment? Um, it's going to be a really really tough game. But this is you know not a terrible uh, matchup for Auburn. I don't think um, in the front court particularly. Back court, Kentucky's got more size, uh, but they haven't been like ultra consistent this season. So I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a big chance for Auburn to try to prove some of the doubters wrong and try to get over the hump. And that Janai Broom and Oscar Chiway matchup, Ferg, is going to be very fascinating. Janai Broom coming off a really good week in which he had two twenty-point games, but also in that game in the midweek last week against Missouri, he did get banged up a couple different times after made dunks. Uh, and I was just curious if you thought that he is anything less than 100%. I know he played very well at Vanderbilt still, but but is there any kind of lingering foot ailment there? I don't think there's anything kind of lingering that would keep him out um, but because he has played. But, I mean, at this point in the year, especially if you're a big man, you're not playing at 100% anyway. So I think it's one of those things you have to kind of grind it out. But I don't think it adversely affected his play. Uh, but it's, got some, it's something you got to continue to keep an eye on. Sure. We're talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer right here on the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Let's transition to a couple other quick things with you, Ferg. And one of those things happening now a couple of weeks ago that we failed to ask you about uh, is the announcement that Oklahoma and Texas will be joining the SEC a year early in 2024, which means just one more football season before the Longhorns and Sooners enter the league. And, of course, that kicks off a lot of debate amongst the league and, and all of its members about how to go about the schedule. Uh, first, your thoughts just on Oklahoma and Texas joining the league a year early, and then what might it mean and what would you like to see with, with a new football schedule? Well, I'm glad that people are using some common sense when it comes to when they're coming into the league. Your 2024 is going to be a college football season where you have um, an expanded college football playoff. Everything's kind of changing. A lot of pieces are moving. In conference realignment, why wait? You know, why why do this at a different time? The Big Ten's expanding. SEC should be doing it at the same time as well. The playoffs expanding, so it's good to have it all kind of wrapped up the way it is. 
Um, you know, honestly, I think from a football perspective, obviously it's going to make the league better just because Oklahoma and Texas are two big brand names that recruit well and have, you know, great history. But very interested to see how the league handles their scheduling. It does look like uh, the format of three permanent rivals and then six rotating on and off is the preferred way to go about it. Um, I think it's the best way. It's one that I've talked about for years and years is the way get rid of divisions, have this rotation. You play everybody within two years. You play everybody in their own, uh, you know, building within four years. Uh, and then obviously you have, you know, three permanent rivals that you play a ton. So I, I, that's the way to go about it. Um, the real question is, you know, what do you do with that third rival? Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the league takes. Obviously they're going to want to protect as many, you know, historic rivalries as possible. And for Auburn, that's going to be all, you know, Alabama and Georgia for sure. That third spot, where do they go? Do they give you a Florida? Do they give you an LSU? Or do they give you somebody like a Mississippi State, uh, you know, that you have a lot of history with, but it's not one of those teams that it's just this big championship neighboring program. So it'll be very interesting to see what the league ends up deciding because uh, I think Auburn's one of the more fascinating teams on, okay, who do you give them at this point? And, and ultimately, Ferg, I guess the question for the league, and you kind of hit on it there at the end, what is – I mean, you can't give everyone necessarily just the three teams that they would matter most to them. So I know that the first team or two, you're going to try and make rivals, try and make sense uh, with with the histories of of, of all these programs, and a lot of them have a lot of it. But ultimately, do you think the league wants to lean towards a third rival, the best they can do it for these teams, or something to balance out the difficulty uh, of program with the other two that may be more set in stone? I think they want to balance because I think you've already heard enough about, you know, there's conference, there's teams in this conference that don't want to go to nine games because a ninth conference game is going to make it tougher for them to make a bowl game every year. You know, how much that affects the team financially and how much it just affects everything about a program um, that being able to go to a bowl game. So I do think balance is probably going to be the first and foremost thing. You know, if you don't have three easy permanent rivals that just line up with everybody, then you probably need to probably go for balance. And that's why I think Mississippi State is the good, um, you know, Mississippi State is the good uh, compromise here, I think, for, um, you know, between balance and actual history. I mean, you could give them Florida, right? You could give Auburn LSU. They all, all obviously have awesome memories and awesome games between the two. But, and a few people I don't think realize this, Mississippi State is the second most played team Auburn has played in its history, only behind Georgia, because, of course, the Iron Bowl rivalry took a big, long uh, break uh, there in the middle of the 20th century because they were fighting over ticket prices and whatnot. Um, so uh, Mississippi State makes sense. These are two very similar universities in terms of their setup and what they believe in, what they try to accomplish is kind of ag land grant schools. Um, You've played them a ton, and it's also not going to just overload you. Uh, and also, like Mississippi State, we'll see who else they would give them, but like if State, you know, permanent rivals was Ole Miss and Auburn and you know, maybe if they keep the Kentucky game or something like that, it'd be a balanced schedule for them as well. So I, I do think that would be a, a really good compromise for everybody involved. So I think that's that's where I keep leaning towards. I mean, it'd be cool to see Auburn play Florida every year again. It'd be cool to see them keep playing LSU because that's, those are always fun games. Um, but, you know, I think State's just the best compromise all the way around. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ferg, what do you have going on here at the Observer over the next few days? Yeah, so uh, today we had a couple things up uh, for for subscribers. We have a have a uh, you know spring football starts in less than a week. Um, so you know I had a uh, story on um, you know one big question for each position group heading into spring practice. Just kind of what I'm looking at and kind of breaking down uh, you know 
what you need to watch for during spring ball. Uh, Painter and I also did a podcast today uh, where we talked some basketball, but we also did a uh, what we call our spring breakout draft that we've done every every spring uh, practice heading into it, where we each pick five players that we think um, are going to be the talk of spring practice. So you can check that out. That's available for everybody to listen to. Just go wherever you listen to your podcast, search the Auburn Observer. But if you want everything else, all of the basketball coverage and all the football coverage we've got coming up here um, these next few weeks, go to auburnobserver.com, sign up $6 a month or $60 a year uh, to get everything. And uh, we email everything to your inbox. There's one or two things coming your way most every day. Justin, as always, we appreciate the time on the show today. Uh, We can't wait to talk to you again soon. Have a great week and uh, enjoy chatting with you again today. Absolutely. Thank you, guys.